you have your Bible with you today, go ahead and get it out or your Bible apps and uh, let's get into some stuff here. Go to Hebrews, if you would, Hebrews chapter 10 and also Revelation chapter 19. Hebrews 10, Revelation 19. I've been teaching a series. This is called, As You See the Day Approaching. As You See the Day Approaching. Let's get into this. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Praise God. So big day coming, and uh, we're supposed to get ready for it. And uh, the idea is we're supposed to see it coming. If you're a believer, if you're not a believer, you should become one. Highly, highly recommended. Uh, if you are one, you should see this coming. We've been given sight, spiritual sight, to see things ahead of time. Yeah. Do we know all the details and the exactness? No, no. But we know enough that would help us to know when it's time to get ready. Right? And, uh, and, and that's what we're talking about. We're supposed to get ready. If you see the day approaching, then you should be prepared for it. No one should be caught off guard. All right? No one in this house should be caught off guard. Just, where did that come from? What? Jesus is here already? <laughs> None of us should be saying that, all right? Because we see the day coming, and so we're conducting ourselves in such a manner that we would be prepared for it, yeah? Leaving nothing on the table, going all in with God, yeah? And uh, now we know in the last days, our days, some will depart from the faith, we're doing whatever, whatever we need to do to ensure that's not us, that we don't depart from the faith because that's a pretty big decision, <laughs> pretty bad decision. Uh, uh, should we be afraid of that, though? Should we be afraid of falling? Should we fear falling away or uh, getting off track? No, 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 we should never fear that. In fact, uh, fear, uh, fearing that would actually expedite its probability. <laughs> You would be more likely to fall away if you were afraid of falling away. That's, that's the enemy's strategy. That's his tactics. And some Christians fall into that. They fall into that trap of, uh, man, I just, I just want to, I don't know if I can stay strong. Well, of course you can. Stop thinking that. Well, I don't know if I, I mean, I've been living for the Lord for a month now. And, you know, I don't know if I can keep going. Yes, you can. Stop entertaining the thought. It's kind of like those who entertain the thoughts of, of the COVID. Well, I could get it. Stop it. Your entertaining of that thought, thus producing fear, opens up your body to receive it. That's a scientific fact. That's observable. Amen. And so, and so know that all of the world around us, and, and including the media and many who are in authority, are working directly against you. That's just a fact. And so we need to know what to shut off, what to listen to, what not to listen to. Because we're not afraid of falling. We're aware there are evils out there. We're conscious of the fact that some people do fall. But I'm not going to think about that all day long. Amen. The more I think about it, the more I go that way. 
The more I kept fixing my gaze on him and believe his word, believe in the power of the blood, the Lord's sustaining work in my life, the stronger I get. In fact, the more in love with Jesus I become. Amen. How I many know? Think about your problems all day long, they get bigger. But think about the Lord's delivering power, his strong arm, his love, and his willingness to help. The bigger he gets in here. And that's what we want. That's what, you know, the scripture says magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. How do you make God bigger? Well, you don't make him bigger, but he gets bigger in you. Your, your, your vision of him gets bigger, and we want that. All the problems of this world, all the junk that goes on around, all the fear, we want that to get little itty-bitty in our mind. Yeah? Big, big God, little bitty devil. Yeah? Big, big healer, little, little cancer. Yeah, but they said it's life-threatening, and he is life-sustaining. Yeah, but they said this, that no one recovers from this. I know, but my God is on the throne, and he is bigger than that, and I belong to him. And the blood of Jesus is more powerful than any sin. It's more powerful. Uh, the name of Jesus is more authoritative than any demon. Amen. We have good news today. Hallelujah. We're not here to proclaim bad news. Amen. Did we read that good enough? Hebrews chapter 10. All right, go to Revelation uh, 19 then. We are getting ready for the big day. Revelation 19, and notice this, uh, verse 6, 19, 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And, notice this phrase, his wife has made herself ready. And to her, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Amen. And so this language of, of, of the wife is compared to us making herself ready. That's really something we should be focused on. And, and how many know it's different to, for you to make yourself ready as opposed to God making you ready? God does his part. Jesus has done his part in death, burial, resurrection, ascension. He has done his part. When you receive that, you're made brand new. I can't, you can't save yourself. I can't save myself. I can't give myself forgiveness of sins, eternal life and the blessings from heaven. He gives that to me as a gift. I just believe it and receive it. Yet, yet there is still an element of our own activity making ourselves ready for this big day, okay? It could be said, if you look at the body of Christ, at large, and if, you, if we had God's perspective and we're seeing things from, from down below, but it could be said that many parts of the body of Christ are not ready. And what I mean by that is I'm talking about saved people, but how many know you can have, you can have a group of saved people that are half asleep spiritually, that are kind of, they've put the interest of this world above the interests of God. 
You can have people that really truly have received the Lord, but their focus has been off. They're distracted. They're misaligned with God's purposes in their life. And so these are some of the elements that we can deal with and say, uh, I want to make sure that I'm not off. I'm not ill-prepared. I'm not saying, what? Wedding day is today? I thought that was like a year from now. (laughs) I mean, wouldn't your spouse, your fiance (laughs) say, seriously, you thought it was a year from now? It's tomorrow. (laughs) You might be in trouble. (laughs) Right? Uh, But there is an element of this that is, of course, the main thing is, is the Lord's work and our receiving of it. But he also talks about the righteous acts of the saints. We should be totally ready, looking our best, all right? We're all fixed up for the big day, looking good, yeah? Are we talking about your hair? Are we talking about your clothes? We're talking about inward condition. We're talking about your attitude towards the Lord, your relationship with God. Talking about your obedience. Are you compromised or complacent? We should be really, really looking good. Now, in, in thinking about how we prepare or make ourselves ready for this, uh, there should be some real clarification because it's kind of one of those things that you need the light or revelation from God to get, to understand, because you flip it around and all of a sudden you're, you're in religious works and people are trying to earn their, their right standing with God and, and we know that's wrong, we know you cannot do that. Yet at the same time, we see a pattern in Scripture. I shared some of this with you previously. Uh, John the Baptist telling his followers, uh, you know, repent and so forth. Kingdom of God is at hand. But then he, he said, bear fruit worthy of repentance. In other words, I'm thinking maybe he was looking at some of them and, and he didn't believe them. They're saying, I'm all in with this. John. I believe in this. I'm giving my life to the Lord. And he said, whatever. I don't believe you. Show me. Let's see if you're the real deal. And we see that, that that's not just an isolated incident. I mean, I, mean, I mentioned to you about, um, about Zacchaeus. Jesus was walking down one day and there was a crowd and Zacchaeus was of short stature. So he climbed up a tree so he could see the Lord coming by. And, uh, and the Lord went up to him, went to Zacchaeus, said, come down. I'm eating lunch with you today, coming to your house. And while he's there, his proximity with the Lord, he starts spilling his beans. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He, 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 the Lord is there. He's in the presence of God, and he wants to make things right. And so he starts telling the Lord, you know, if I've stolen anything from him, I'm giving it back. I'm giving it fourfold. If I've done this wrong, I'm correcting this. I'm fixing this. And it, we don't have any indication that the Lord told him to do that. But something about being close to the Lord makes you not just want to feel good, mentally ascribe to him and his presence, but actually wants to, it moves you to action. And I think that's a godly thing. I think that's a right thing for us to do. Um, I don't want to say, I'm clean, I'm free in Christ, I'm forgiven, now I'm going to go play in the mud. He cleaned me up, so now I can go play in the mud. No, he cleaned you up. He cleaned you from the mud. And now we recognize that's not the place I belong. I'm a new creation in Christ. I don't belong in the mud, so I don't want to live there. And someone who has that opposite mentality might be missing the point. It's one of the, one of the ways to say this is, uh, and, you know, separate the issue from what you have versus what you do. 
who you are in Christ versus what you do. Uh, you, you may come to me and say, I, I've got this house, and in my house we have this beautiful fireplace. In fact, right now, the fireplace, I've built a beautiful fire. It is roaring hot, and it's cold outside, but in my house, it's warm, and it's, we've got this roaring fire. And I come by your house, and I stand on the outside and look up at your chimney, and I don't see anything. And I call you up and say, so you got a fire on in there? Yep, roaring fire. <laughs> There's nothing coming out of the chimney. I don't believe you. Call me judgmental, <laughs> call me whatever, but you say you've got this amazing fire and I don't see any smoke coming out of your chimney. I'm really questioning what you've got going on in that fireplace. And I'm not saying the focus is the smoke. That all of us just need to get some smoke going on coming out of our house. Because what good does it do if your house is smoking, if there's no fire? We're not focusing on the smoke, we're focusing on the fire. But if you say you have a fire, but you have no smoke, I don't think you really have a fire. Someone says, oh, I sure love the Lord. I worship the Lord. He's my, he's my strength. He's my song. He's my everything today. And I'm standing back saying... I don't see anything. I'm questioning what, what's really there. Call me judgmental if you want, but I'm still questioning. <laughs> I'm saying, I don't see anything. I don't see anything coming out of your life that resembles what you say that you have. I, uh, you, you received Jesus? You didn't receive him like I did. And I don't mean that you have to live a perfect life. This is not about judging someone's salvation by perfection because that's not the case. That's not what we're talking about. But I'm just saying, if someone really has righteousness in them, then they will, it will produce righteous acts. And if someone says, I have righteousness in me and never produces any righteous acts, I'm looking for smoke, man. I'm saying, I'm not sure. I'm wondering what is really going on here. And so when you receive the Lord, it produces worthy fruit. If someone truly repents, it really should show in their actions. Everybody okay? Turn over to 1 John, if you would. It's just uh, close by the revelation there. What, what, were the, what, what was the clean, fine linen? The bright, fine linen. It was the righteous acts of the saints. Not just righteousness of God in Christ, it was their activities that he mentioned there. First John chapter 3, this passage gives some people some trouble. <laughs> uh, verse 7, it reads, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Now, does that, do those verses rub you the wrong way? <laughs> do, do, do those verses ever kind of give you trouble and you read that and now you just questioned your whole salvation? 
man. But you can see what he's saying. Get the big picture, and we can go in narrow and, and zoom in. But get the big picture, saying righteous people do righteous stuff. What do you mean righteous people? Righteous people who are born of God. Saved. Your spirit's been more made alive. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. If that really happened, you do righteous stuff. But at the same time, if you sin, that's a sign of where you come from. You are of the devil. And now that puts us in a spot where we're thinking, wow, I've sinned like maybe this morning. I thought I was saved. Am I really of the devil when I'm not really, am I not really of God? Now think about this for a moment. He is not, first of all, referring to an act. He's not referring to a righteous person who falls and recognizes it and wants to get right and make things right. This is, you can see, he who sins, uh, sins, uh, right? This is a lifestyle. This is a way of living. He's describing the person and how they conduct themselves on a regular basis. He's saying, this per- you act this way. I'm looking at the chimney. That shows me what's in the fireplace. This is their manner of life. You sin, you are of the devil. But when someone's right with God, it produces righteous acts. Yeah? Not talking about someone who's saved and they do something wrong. Oh, you're not saved because you would never have done that anything wrong. I've done plenty of things wrong after I got saved. And here's the thing. It bugs me. I'm not okay with it. I don't like it. And some of them I did again. <laughs> Am I, have I lost my salvation? No, that's not what it's talking about. You see that there, there is always going to be, when you're right with God, there's going to be a conflict internally when you go the wrong way. It's kind of like another place in this same book. He talks about individuals that hate their brother. So if you hate your brother, uh, you don't have eternal life abiding in you. That's pretty strong. You hate someone, you're not saved. Yet, step back, step back for a moment. Has anyone ever had thoughts, emotions, and maybe even followed up with actions <laughs> toward that, were, that would be descriptive of hatefulness towards another individual after you received Christ? You were so ticked off at them. You were so upset. You had such ill feelings towards them. And you said, but I'm still a Christian. And yet it sure looks like you're not according to this verse. But what happens when a person, when a true believer goes down that path is they have a conflict. You will note that whenever you start to pray, whenever you start to worship God, something inside of you is going and dealing with you about your feelings, about your thoughts, about your, quote, hatred towards another person. It's because spiritually, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't keep going down that path and falling into sin. When you're right with God, you are miserable. I'm telling you, if you're saved, you're here today, and the presence of the Lord is here working, and you're living a contrary lifestyle, it's bugging you. Why? Because it's not who you are. It's not consistent with who you are. You're in the mud, but he's cleaned you. He's made you a a, a mudless person. Yeah. 
And that indicates that God is there, not that he's not. When, when we read words like, uh, he cannot sin because he has been born of God. What do you mean you cannot? That doesn't mean like physically you can't. Uh, if someone uh, were to uh, say, Pastor Mark, I'll give you $1,000 if you will punch your wife. <laughs> I mean, not just a little tap. I mean, just, you could be a thousand air. <laughs> or make it a million. And uh, she, she's volunteering now. <laughs> Bring it right there. We can pray it away. <laughs> but if you were to say, can you do that? I'm going to say, I can't do that. I can't. Now, do it physically, can I? Sure. But can I? No. There's something inside of me that says, I can't do that. I know some of you are thinking, if you were married to my wife, you could. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but you know what I mean by that? There are things we can't do. What do you mean you can't do them physically? No, I physically could do it, but I can't. And there's something about when you're walking with God and you're close to him, you're restrained inside. And that's a good thing. And this is a person who lives in a ready state. A readiness for this big day does not mean you are flawless and perfect and never have wrong actions or thoughts or anything like that. No, but when you do, you're like not okay with it. I'm not okay with myself being that way. I don't want to be that way. I'm going to do what it takes to not be that way. And if you fall, it's, you're going right to the Lord. Right? There is something that prepares us. It is faith in Jesus' finished work. It is faith in God, faith in his promises to come. But this, this life of inconsistency is not a life of, of preparedness or readiness. Our eyes are firmly fixed on the coming day, and when we have our eyes fixed on him, it produces in us a readiness for it. There's a word used in Scripture many, many times, Jesus used it, others used it, uh, that will help us to be ready for the, for the coming day, and that is the word abide. Abide. Okay, uh, let me read some verses to you, and you can listen, look on the screen. But 1 John 2.28 reads, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. What produces that confidence and lack of shame? Abiding. In him. Read that the other way. Okay, basically, if one does not abide in him, they will be ashamed at his coming. So I can be prepared by abiding. All right, abiding means to continue, it means to remain to dwell, endure, or be present. It means to stand. When that is my disposition with the Lord, 
then I am remaining in a ready state. I do not mean that our salvation is obtained by faith, but then maintained by works. Not the case. All right, you don't get saved. You're not going to heaven because you stopped sinning. Everybody know that? You're not losing your salvation because you sinned. We understand how this works. That's kind of a different message, but some of you are like, uh, it's not. No, <laughs> that's not how the gospel works. That's not how salvation works. Nevertheless, I do mean, and I do want to communicate that walking with God requires active participation with his word and with his spirit. I am not ready if I, if I am not actively participating with him. That is what creates readiness. I think of it sometimes like this. Some of you may be able to relate to this. Uh, I'll just ask it as a question. Do any of you have background music playing in your mind? Like all the time. I mean, if we were to stop right now and everybody just be quiet and you listen to it, it's there. It's like there's a song going on in there. It's a song going on. Not that. <laughs> there's a song going on in here. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? Lift your hand. If you, okay, quite a few if you can. Uh, that's a good, I mean, that's fine. I don't know why I have that. There's all, all, if I stop and think, there's a song. <laughs> and it's kind of playing back there. Uh, that's different than actually singing. Not that it's bad either way, but uh, our relationship with God, it, it is in the background in one sense. I think probably all of us could say, yeah, there's a, there's a everyone who's saved, I mean, but there's a consciousness that we have. I'm right with God. He's there with me. And when you stop and think, there he is. Oh, I'm so glad I'm saved. Oh, I'm so glad the Lord is with me. He's in the background. But that's different than actually praying, actually talking with him, actually communicating, conversing, walking with him, listening to him, walking in his plan. Yeah? What we want to do, have the background music going. Great. Have him in the foreground too. Yeah? Endeavor as much as you can to live with the consciousness of him at all times. It's an active, participating walk with the Lord. When you have that, you're ready. Listen to these other verses. First uh, John 2, 6. He who says he abides in him, there's that word, abide, ought himself also to walk as he walked. That's the smoke. He who has the fire, let him have smoke. John 15, 9 and 10, Jesus said, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So how do I abide in him? I do what he says. I don't just mentally assent to it, acknowledge, oh yeah, 
the Lord has some good things to say. No, if I'm abiding in him, I'm saying, uh-huh, he has some things to say about me and about what I do with my life and what I do with my money, what I do with my time, what I do with my emotions, what I do with my thoughts, what I do with my beliefs, what I do with people in my life, what I do with my job and what I do with my resources. What I, what I, he has something to say about this. So if I'm abiding in him, I'm listening to him and I'm doing something with what he has to say. Say amen, that was better than you think. Someone else say amen. amen. Someone else say, I believe it. I'm going to do it. Hallelujah. Listen to this one. 2 Timothy 4, 8. This is Paul talking about at the end of his life and discussing the end of his time here. He said, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. What day? That day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I want you to look at the way the Lord is described and the people of God are described. This should be descriptive of us. We love his appearing. We love his appearing. Who gets the crown of righteousness? Those people. The people who love his appearing are those who get it. The Passion Translation reads, all who love and long for his unveiling. There's something in you that can't wait. Something in you that says, oh, goody, goody. <laughs> not I'm just going, not I'm going to Disneyland, I'm going to heaven. Come on, I'm going to meet the Lord in the air. I'm going to see him face to face. And there's an anticipation, an excitement, a longing for that. You know what's waiting for you? A crown of rightness, of righteousness. Paul says, I'm getting one. And anyone else who loves his appearing, they're getting one too. Amen. I know there are people sometimes, especially younger people, who've been around and they hear about the coming of the Lord and they're looking at their age and their future and they're hoping, not yet. I remember thinking that way years ago. I was single and ready to marry. (laughs) Lord, not yet. (laughs) So I can relate, I understand. That doesn't mean you don't love the Lord or don't long for his appearing, but people think I want to accomplish certain things in life and, and, uh, and so I don't want him to come quite, come back quite yet. I, I mean, I've done the math. That's gonna happen to somebody. I mean, someone's going to be walking down the aisle. Just with enough, the amount of people there are. Someone's going to be, do you take this man to be your life? And out of here. Oh! I'm going to leave that in the hands of the Lord, obviously. It's not up to me. But I do know this. I do know this. Not one person will be saddened for a moment, not for a millisecond. Will they be saddened by the presence of the Lord coming? I'm talking about saved people. There's a whole bunch of people in this world who are going to cuss. They're going to say, oh, something. 
at the Lord's coming. I'm not going to cuss. I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus. But listen, no, here's, 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 here's what I'm saying. No one is going to go, oh, I missed out on something down here. Not for a second. The Lord would not allow you for a second to be uh, longing for the previous. It'll be so much more. And if I were, you know, someone in that situation, I would be saying, Lord, you're going to have to make this up to me. <laughs> and I know he would. Earthly matters just don't compare to this at all. So we can all do this. Amen. If you're single, if you're a teenager, you say, I want to do things. You can be with us on this. You love, I guarantee you, you love his appearing when you're right with him. Hebrews 9.28 says this. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Just want to draw your attention to that phrase in there again. This language used that describe those who are ready, describe those who have made themselves ready, is they eagerly wait for him. This should be background and foreground. This should be something that we all live with when we talk to the Lord, when we serve him. And that anticipation, that expectation, that eagerly waiting for him is a condition of a heart that is right with God. You have perspective. You're seeing things from an eternal perspective. I know those who are living in a, in a hellish situation, they want, they're eager for the Lord's return just to get them out of that. Uh, and no doubt, people will be saved from really bad situations as well. Um, but I'm telling you, even when life is good, even when things are fine, our relationship with God and our, this description of loving his appearing and eagerly waiting for him is a good, godly, biblical description of those who are in the right place, those who have made themselves ready. Praise God. Makes me wonder if those who are not looking for him could also be described as not being ready. So if we're not looking for him, why? What's going on? What are you holding back? <laughs> what are you doing that's not ready for him? And if you can identify that, that's the grace of God that you can see it. It's his mercy that you can say, huh, yeah, mm, me. Why? So we can get our, we can get our act together. So we can say, I'm going to shift my priorities, I'm going to shift my focus, I'm going to shift my life and make it so where it is a ready life. Ready, waiting, anticipating, praise God. Maybe some days even practicing, practicing for the rapture. Right, you know how you practice your pose. <laughs> I don't know how you, how you plan to go, but. <laughs> you know, the scripture says uh, about the rapture of the church or the catching away that we'll be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, and then we'll be caught up. You ever thought there could be a gap between the changing and the catching up? I don't know, maybe it's a few seconds. Maybe it's a few days. 
there's a new thought. Just because, remember when, sorry, I'll just just throw this out at you. Remember when Jesus was raised from the dead and the scripture says that Old Testament saints came came out of their graves. There was such power in that resurrection that people were resurrected and they walked around the city. I don't know. I'm speculating. Changed in a moment. New body, glorified in an instant. I don't know, maybe it's time to do a quick evangelism before we leave. You know, and then. <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> we're going to go. You know, all the you see, why, are you, why are you saying that? All the people in Scripture that left were seen going. Well, Enoch wasn't seen, but Elijah, Jesus, those who were raptured, those are precursors, those are raptures, uh, they were seen leaving. So people think, we're just instantly gone and instantly with the Lord. I don't know about that. Not really a precedent for that. But rising. <laughs> That's scriptural. And some are just saying it might happen that way. Yeah. So we might want to practice your pose. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. He's coming. Big day coming soon. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love.